Welcome back to the Life is Not Meaningless podcast. This week we talk about pleasure. Is life all sex, drugs, and rock and roll? We'll find out. Life is not meaningless, folks. And the way you enjoy yourself today, well, it just might matter. Let's take a look at Ecclesiastes to find out why. Today's text is going to be Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It reads, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and a pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during their few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart had found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This week we find the preacher in a very strange place. You see, as we've reviewed the last couple weeks, uh, the preacher is in a state where he's seeking to find meaning in his life. And the first thing that he sought to find meaning in was his work. So in week one, we talked about how he, he looked at all the things that were done under heaven, all the toil that man toils under the sun, And he came to the conclusion that because of death, because we all die, our work is meaningless. So also in week two, the preacher, he sought to find wisdom. And he sought everything that he could to grow in knowledge and understanding. And in fact, he did grow in knowledge and understanding. And scripture tells us that there is no one as wise as the preacher, except for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the preacher found that wisdom itself was vanity because the world will never have all the answers that God has purposely hidden things from us. So too, wisdom is vanity. And it's what that is what builds us up to entering into chapter two here. You see, the preacher has sought and failed to find meaning to his life and has made him desperate. And in his desperation, he f- tries to find purpose to his life 
than pleasure. And he's so desperate, in fact, that he's willing to do a little bit of an experiment. And we find this experiment in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, uh, the preacher, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. So he's testing himself. He's testing pleasures. Pleasure, have what it takes to give your life satisfaction, to give it joy, to give it delight. Um, and we see the parameters for this test, this experiment in verse 3. He says, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. And then he inserts this phrase here, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. And then he continues, and how to lay hold on folly. Now, this tells us a very interesting thing. For one, it tells us that in this experiment, in this test, the preacher is going to do whatever it takes. He's going to seek wine. He's going to seek a lot of other things that we're going to go through to try and find pleasure. And, and what he's saying is he's trying to lay hold on folly. You see, the, the preacher is going to do things. He's going to experiment with things that he would normally call foolishness. But he's going to experiment with them with the hope that maybe, maybe the fools have it right. Maybe the fools are on to something because they always seem to be delighting in the things that they're doing. So he's going to attempt them himself. But you see, there's an interesting thing that he says because he says his heart is still guiding him with wisdom. Now, what that tells us is that though he's giving himself a little to foolishness, He's doing it with wisdom so that he doesn't overindulge. He doesn't sell himself completely to these things. Now, that shows us just how desperate the preacher was. Though he wasn't willing to fully give himself, he was willing to flirt with foolishness. Though he knew these things would go nowhere, that he knew that, that these things were foolish, he saw the pleasure that they brought. And he's willing to try them in order to give his life some kind of meaning and value. And in verse 1, it tells us right from the bat that this test, it didn't work. The preacher says, but behold, this also was vanity. And I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? What advantage does it have is another way of saying that. You see, right from the bat, the preacher tells us that pleasure, it didn't work. It failed the test. And before we go into just why pleasure didn't work, why it failed, uh, I want to continue to walk through all the different things that the preacher tested himself with. How did he test pleasure? Well, the first thing that we already talked about was wine. Verse 3 says, I saw with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, and what the preacher's talking about there is there is a natural effect of wine and of alcohol to make you happy, to make you giddy, to make you cheerful. Uh, Frank Sinatra, he's actually got a pretty famous quote, a drinking quote that says, I feel bad for people who don't drink. When they wake up in the morning, that's as good as they're going to feel all day. And Mr. Sinatra, he's touching right on what our preacher friend is pointing at, that wine and alcohol has a natural tendency to make someone cheerful, to make someone delightful and giddy. And if you've ever seen someone who's just started drinking, you'll, you'll kind of know that this is true, that the people are who are drinking their wine and drinking their alcohol, they, they tend to laugh a lot and they tend to be more giddy. So the, the preacher, 
he he's willing to give himself over to this and he he is trying to find pleasure in his body to give himself cheerfulness from wine and it goes on to say in verse 4 that he also made many great works he built houses and vineyards and gardens and parks and in those gardens and parks he planted a lot of fruit trees he also made pools to water forests so he's got the mansion on the hill with the white picket fence that everyone wishes they had and not just any mansion but it is the mansion with so many bathrooms that more than you could ever need right he's got the dream home the dream possessions all right, and uh, going on, he says in verse uh, 7 that he had a lot of slaves, both male and female slaves, and those slaves gave birth to more slaves. So what that's saying is that the preacher, he had someone always at his beck and call. There was always someone to obey him, someone that he could have authority over. He had power and glory he also, the preacher, he tested pleasure in his life with possessions. He had herds and flocks and silver and gold. And if you know anything about the history of Solomon, you'll know that he was probably one of the wealthiest people to ever walk the face of the earth. In fact, in one year, First Chronicles says that he got 25 tons of gold. And that's not including any of the wealth that he got from kings and queens as tribute or from money that he made off of sales and uh, trade or anything like that. That's just his natural gold that he collected on his daily kingly duties. So he was very, very wealthy. And he used this money to bring pleasure to his life and to possess things and to buy himself things and build mansions to build those parks and gardens and all those things. And going on from there, uh, the preacher says that he had singers in verse 8, both men and women. So that might seem a little strange to us. Uh, what we need to understand is that this was a long time ago. And in that day and age, there was not television or entertainment of that any of that kind. And if you had a singer, that was the equivalent to the flat screen TV that made up your theater room. It was the envy of everyone's everyone's heart you wanted that entertainment someone to entertain you anytime that you wanted he had that option and then lastly the preacher says in verse 8 he had many concubines and not just any concubines but they were the delight of the sons of man the preacher he had a woman the greatest woman most beautiful of women that you could find to satisfy his physical desires at any moment so he's got money, he's got wine, he's got power, he's got women, he's got everything that this world could tell you to chase after, that could give you some kind of delight and pleasure. And you know what? He says in, uh, in verse 10 there, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I, gave my, I kept my heart from no pleasure. So he, he opened himself to anything that was possible. And he says that, you know what? It was pleasurable. My heart found pleasure in all my toil. It was a reward for him. And he enjoyed what these things offered. These things succeeded in giving him joy and pleasure and delight. But then he comes back to what he said in the beginning. 
that vanity is what all these things lead to. That all your pleasure, all the sex and money and women and gold, after it was all said and done, it meant nothing. He says in verse 11, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expanded in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. See, what the preacher is pointing at is that even though these things did succeed in giving him pleasure, all the money, all the gold, all the power, all the houses, all the women, though they did pleasure him, they were meaningless. Because pleasure, it's a temporary experience. It gives no significance, no value to your life. Though it might distract you from the things that go on in the world at the end of the day, it adds nothing to you. You know, I had an interesting conversation with somebody. Uh, this actually, this last week at work, I have a friend at FedEx, and uh, he was talking to me about how he had just started investing in Forex, and he was very excited about it. And he had it all planned out on how he was going to make his millions investing in currency and trading currency and so on. And his plan was that the moment he made his first $1,000, he was quitting FedEx, and he was going to start saving up his Forex money to start buying rental properties. And the first rental property he would own, he would use to buy that money to buy another rental property, then another and another and another. And he would do all this without ever paying a mortgage. He was always going to pay hands down in cash full amount for each house. And in the back of my mind, as I was saying, well, he was saying these things, I was very doubtful that he was going to make this much money on Forex. But he was very determined and he was very confident that it was going to make him a millionaire. But he, then he said something at the very end that it kind of took me back. And I was kind of shocked that he said it. Because he said, you know, the reason I want to do all this is because I'm scared. My greatest fear is at the end of my life, my life will be pointless. That my life would have had no value. That I, had, that I would have nothing to show for it. And that's why he was seeking that money, seeking that authority and that power and all the rental properties that he wanted because he thought it was going to give him a purpose. And he fell victim to what our friend the preacher himself also fell victim to. That maybe delight, maybe treasures, maybe pleasure, maybe wealth, maybe joys is what life is all about. But the preacher found out after it was all said and done, that these things are meaningless. That they are temporary in their pleasure. That they will never give you lasting significance. So the question for the believer then is, is there a place for pleasure in our lives? Or are we doomed to a whole eternity of life, numb and dull and boring? And the answer is no, that there is a place for pleasure, but we have to put it in the right parameters. You see, for the believer, pleasure is not a thing to be pursued, but rather pleasure is a gift 
given to us by God. We don't pursue pleasure, but we pursue the only thing in this life that has any value, and that's God himself. You see, our lives have one singular purpose. There is only one thing that will give your life meaning, and that's to bring glory to God. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7, uh, God says, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory. You see, you and I, us human beings, we were created with one purpose. One singular purpose, and that is to worship and glorify God. Everything that we do in our lives is to serve that one purpose. Everything that we do day to day, all our work, all our joys, all our delights, every moment is to worship God, to bring glory to God. Everything we do says God is great. God is amazing. And to some people, when we hear that, we think, you know what? That, that is a very selfish thing for God to do. Why would he create us just for himself, just to worship himself? Are we just robots meant to worship him? But the reality is what we need to understand is that in God creating us to glorify him, that was not selfish, but rather that was the most loving thing that God could ever do for us. You see, God is the essence of joy. He's the essence of love. He's the essence of delight. He's the essence of pleasure. And the best thing that we could ever do is think and admire and worship him and dwell in his presence. The best thing that a human being could ever do is be near to God. The most pleasurable, most enjoyable experience you and I could ever have is to be before the Lord. And that's why when people say things like, I'm not sure heaven is going to be a very great experience, that they think it's just going to be null and boring and dull, I think you're out of your mind. We are talking about the God of the universe, the God, the creator who made everything that our eyes see, everything that we think is amazing. It came from him. He is incredible. He is awesome. He is the Lord. And that is why David in Psalms 16, 11 says, you make known to me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy in your right hand. There are pleasures forever. God is the source of pleasure and joy. And we have one singular purpose in life. And that is to glorify and worship him in everything that we do. And you know, the, the incredible thing and the most loving thing about God is that as we seek to, and pursue to worship him, he bestows upon us the gifts that give us pleasure. You see, when I, I love my wife and when I hold her and I cherish her, I know in my heart that she is a gift from God. When I go to FedEx and I get that paycheck on Friday, I know in my heart that it was God who blessed me with that. 
God desires to bless us. He desires for our lives to have pleasure. But the meaning of our life is to go back and say, God, you gave this to me. How great are you? How good are you? You are forever to be praised. You see, you have one singular purpose, and that's to worship and glorify God. Life is not meaningless. And how you enjoy yourself today, it matters. Do you live your life distracted by all the pleasures this world offers? Day to day, are you longing for wealth? Are you longing for sex and beauty? Are you longing for power? Are you longing for comfort? Are you longing for a better home, for a better house, for a better life? Or do you live your life with the singular purpose of bringing glory to God? Do you let everything else melt away? And do you say every morning, all I long to do is worship God? God created you with a purpose to glorify him. Will you worship him day to day? Will you let your life fill the pleasure of being in his presence every morning? Will you long for the moment to see him face to face? Because what he is, is more than this world could ever afford. And this world can never offer you anything as delightful and meaningful as the joy and the pleasure of being in the presence of God.